This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 232 for January 21st, 2010. Your questions, Steve's answers, number 84. It's time for Security Now. Get ready, fasten your seatbelts. You're about to learn about all the dangers, the hazards, the problems, <laughs> the issues on the Internet. But here's the good news. Steve Gibson will also tell you what to do about it. Steve Gibson is the uh, man in charge around here. He is a security wizard, the guy who uh, created Spinrite, the world's best hard drive recovery, recovery and uh, maintenance utility. He also discovered the first spyware, coined the term spyware, wrote the first anti-spyware program, has written a great many uh, security tools for free for people, and uh, has been doing this show. Well, I guess if it's 232, episode 232, Steve, we must have, and we've never missed one. We are yeah, our, missed our, one. Our, 232 weeks and wow. counting. Fourth yeah. year, fifth, fifth year of uh, this show. Into our fifth year, yeah. yeah. Hey, Steve. Leo, it's great to be with you again, as always. I was, I had a, a thought of yesterday, and then again this morning a little bit when you were talking about, you know, how all the security utilities that I, that I create, that it would be maybe useful to create one for this most recent zero-day IE flaw. Oh yeah. But then I figured, eh, you know, the the half-life of the thing is going to be very short because. Microsoft is scampering, apparently, maybe even considering an out-of-cycle fix, because not that this is so bad, we've seen these before, but mostly because it's gotten so much attention, and so the PR yes. is, you know, really bad for Microsoft. This is the flaw that, that uh, was used to hack uh, uh, people's Google accounts, right? Well, it's, okay, so th what we, th this first came on the map when Google informed Microsoft that it wasn't an as it was initially sort of just conjectured it wasn't an Adobe flaw it was a, a at that time unknown that is to say zero day vulnerability in Internet Explorer yet another one mm -hmm. uh, that was in this case being used to penetrate IE6 running on XP. And, and of course, the first thing that, uh, what was it, the German government said is, stop using IE6. I mean, everywhere people are saying, do not use IE6 anymore. G Germany and France both yeah. said, stop, well, actually, I think they said stop using IE in general, mm. because it, it the, 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 the vulnerability exists in all versions of IE, right. but due to the incrementally increasing security that Microsoft has been bringing into play. You know, we've talked about this many times, how, unfortunately, Microsoft's install base and their previously lax security prevents them from just turning up the security all at once. So very much like how they, in, in XP, they introduced a firewall, but it wasn't turned on by default. Then, then in Vista they introduced, or I, actually in in at some point in XP also DEP the data execution prevention technology, but it wasn't really turned on very strong. Then with Service Pack two of XP they started turning on the firewall by default. So you know they've sort of been creeping along, tightening things down as they go, and you know I've of course for years been railing against the idea that scripting was on in email by default. Well, of course, that finally got turned off along the way because no one ever did use it. But Microsoft just has to be sort of 
you know, to, to, to very slowly move forward. So in, so many of these things that they've done incrementally over time have improved the security of IE. Seven is better than six. Eight is better than seven. Uh, in IE eight, its use of data execution protection or prevention is enabled by default. So DEP does prevent this problem. So even though all versions of IE have, have had the flaw, which someone uh, presumably in China discovered, and what Google did was they found the command and control servers, that is, they were able to, once they realized they'd been penetrated, they found some penetrated machines, saw them communicating back to the mothership, tracked those down, found 33 other companies, including Adobe, interestingly enough, that had been also penetrated. So this wasn't just an attack against Google. This was an attack against 34 companies using an, at the time, unknown vulnerability in Internet Explorer. So, so there's many takeaways from this. One, of course, is to all of our listeners, I'm hoping that nobody is even vulnerable or at risk because you're no longer using IE. That is, everyone within the sound of our voices should have switched to Firefox. Um, you know, and I'm, and I'm seeing Chrome mentioned sort of, you know, as an also option. Although Firefox seems to be the one people would be moving to, I'm hoping that everyone has moved there already. Now, of course, Windows users don't have a choice about IE. We have to have IE around to some degree because Microsoft's Windows updating system, if you want to go there and check it out, it wants to be IE. So yeah, but I mean, you can't even uninstall IE if you wanted to. I don't think. I mean, right? You're and stuck with it. So I just I don't even put an, an icon on the desktop. I just run Windows Update. I don't even run IE, and leave it at that. Right. However, things like, for example, Outlook will still be using the IE yeah, browsing yeah. Um, component in order to display email. It's really intimately part of Windows, isn't it? You just can't so, get away from it. You really can't. So, so the other, but but the other point is, you can lock it down. And so I wanted just to take a minute to remind our users how that's done. Because it's not difficult. You you start up your copy of Internet Explorer, you know, just launch it if 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 it's in the tray or you use Windows Update, however it is, you get IE going. And then under the Internet Options icon, which generally most recently has looked like a little gear, you you open that Go to the bottom line on the menu, which is which is Internet Options, and then choose um, um, choose secure the Security tab. That's where it shows you those zones. And so IE has this notion of different security behavior depending upon whether you're on your local intranet, on the internet outside of your own local network, and whether the domain you're going to is trusted or not. So there's all, it's, I mean, it, it ends up being a, a confusing and complicated thing because you could, for example, put people in the untrusted zone, which means apply presumably more rigorous security to them. Anyway, the point of all this is what 
I would recommend people do, and they that is people who are already switched away from IE. IE is, as you say, Leo, is intrinsic to Windows. It's there. We can't get away from it. Various apps are going to bring it up. Um, it still can be exploited, even though it's not the browser that you're normally using. Although certainly your 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 risk profile is far lower if you're surfing the net with Firefox than with IE. So so you want to you want to set the um, the trusted sites. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. You want you want to set both the the internet zone for outside and the local intranet zone both even your local intranet zone because that's the zone used for example that that outlook uses when it's doing things you set the security for both those zones to high and i i made sure again that everything is set correctly when you do that when you set your security to high basically it just shuts it down it, it could barely even bring up a web page because the security is bolted down and this this exploit does require naturally scripting so scripting is shut down both for the internet and the intranet then you can set your trusted sites zone to the default level now in doing this though you will completely block windows update from running through the browser. So you then need to, on the trusted zone, add star.windowsupdate.com and star.microsoft.com. So essentially what we've done is we've turned IE into a browser only useful for going to Microsoft and using Windows Update. We've also locked it down so that in Outlook, there's no scripting and no permissions to run ActiveX controls and none of these things that are dangerous. So it's, you know, if you're, if you're going to view email, it's as safe as it could be using Outlook by having IE locked down. Um, if you, for some reason, need to use IE for other sites that you trust, you could certainly add those domains to the trusted sites list and then IE will work the way it normally would, but both for reaching out onto the Internet and your own local use, if you set the security to high for those zones, then you're as secure as you can be while you're using Internet Explorer. And given that it's locked down that much, I would say you're probably as secure as when you've got scripting disabled under Firefox, but as we know, it's difficult to run the, you know during the day-to-day use of the net with no scripting. So, of course, no script allows you to do that conditionally. Sort of, it's doing a little bit like what IE was doing with its multiple zones. If, so, if uh, you know, one of the things, it has a checkbox that says uh, HTTPS, require HTTPS. Yes. Should you leave that checked or should you uncheck that? Um, I don't think it's that important. Um, I... Oh, I, I, I put Twit in because I also use right. Twit. I, so I have use, to uncheck it for Twit. Exactly, because yes, we aren't and, HTTPS, and so, you can't require Yes, and so I did uncheck it and do have it unchecked. That is to say, not requiring an SSL connection for all of those trusted sites. Well, because they're trusted. So just to, just to recap, you open the Internet Options Control Panel, 
You set security to the max, which breaks every site, basically. You set it to high, to high, for, all the way up. For two zones, for the Internet zone and the local intranet zone. Oh, important. That's a good point, because you want local sites that way, too. Right. Well, you, you want your local use of the IE control, which gets sort of mapped into thing, other applications, like Outlook. You want it to be locked down, because, again, uh-huh. you don't need scripting an email. Right, so we're gonna we're gonna go to security. We're gonna turn it up all the way to high for uh, local zones and for um, internet. Okay, so let me just do that. Okay, so custom level, in, in actually not custom level, I guess default level, and then turn it all the way up. So now it's all the way up for internet, and it's all the way up for local intranet. Correct. And then I click trusted sites. Press the default button once again. You have to press default for some reason to have the slider. And the default here is medium. Yes, and that's fine for trusted sites. That allows the normal sort of scripting things, you know, ActiveX controls. You know, sites will work the way you expect them to, except that um, you, you, the, the other thing you need to do then is with on the, while, while you've clicked that trusted sites, then there's a button that says sites. So you click that, and that will open the list of sites that you have right. deliberately chosen to trust. And if you don't use IE, just do Microsoft, start.microsoft.com and start.windowsupdate.com. Exactly. Uncheck HTTPS, and you're done. And then yes. basically IE will now only work properly for those two sites, but that's all you want. <laughs> exactly. Does this fix the problem then for Outlook email? I mean, will Outlook yes, it, email work okay? It does fix the problem for Outlook email. Scripts won't work in Outlook email, but that's what you want. Exactly, and because scripts are the big problem. And it shuts down ActiveX controls. It just bolts it down so that essentially you said, okay, we're not going to use IE for much. We can't get away from it completely. But, you know, where it does need to get used, at least it won't be able to do any, you know, won't do any harm. Now, IE 7 and 8 have protected mode browsing. Uh, Yes, and basically that's bringing these same things along by default. This is Microsoft, again, sort of very slowly. We've had the tools for since IE5 to do this, but it wasn't default. And as we know, as you know, I, I call it the tyranny of the default is, you know, unfortunately the default is what the vast majority of people use. Microsoft, I remember, was saying, oh, yeah, but XP has a firewall. It's like, yes, but it's off by default. Oh, yeah, but I mean, this mumbo-jumbo about, well, but most people will run across the dialogue that suggests they turn it on. Well, if that was true, then we wouldn't have had the code red and the NIMDA worms, which both occurred on XP because the firewall was not on by default. So that just wasn't the case. You know, it's funny. These it, it, You've been talking about doing this because you used IE for a long time. We only recently got you to move over to Firefox, like in the last couple of years. But I know you've come on the TV shows uh, and told us about this process. But it's really important, even if you don't use IE, to do this now because you just want to lock this sucker down. Yes, it's still I, used so often. Yes, IE is is built into Windows. You can't get rid of it. It's used in places you don't expect it to be used. There are other um, there are other places like in the the help system or other applications that will invoke the IE control. Uh, you've probably seen like some some strange software that says requires Internet Explorer six or later, and you're thinking, well, why does my you know MP3 player need a certain version of IE? It's because it's assuming 
that it, you know that the, the presence of the IE control that is the IE surface which it's using to render things and you know there are you know, I don't talk about all the really obscure security exploits that that occur in in applications that are low instance but there's there's a lot more going on that you know that people are aware of that that use a common control like this so just as you said Locking this down now, it's very much like turning scripting off in Acrobat. Just turn scripting off in Acrobat because you don't need it, and it will make your PDFs a lot safer. I love security tips like this because they have very little consequence, unlike, say, running no script in Firefox, which really kind of you know becomes an issue. This is easy. Everybody could do it. I'm going to do. It. I'm going to remind people to do this on the radio show. In fact, why don't you come on the radio show this weekend and just to. tell people do this in light of uh, in light of uh, what yep. we're learning now, and then you don't have to think about it. Right. I like it. All right. Um, uh, a number of our listeners wrote to tell me something that I had um, uh, run across. Actually, I think I, I had a note for it last week, and I forgot to mention it. And that is that Gmail, this is unrelated to the Google attacks, but Gmail uh, now, use, it now in, enforces HTTPS connections by default. We've talked... For, for years about how to get Google Mail to be def, to be secure for the entire duration of the connection. If you if you if you went to if if you went to uh, Gmail using a sec, a secure connection HTTPS for logging in, then it left you there for your entire use of Gmail. But if you went there with an unsecure connection initially. It switched you into security for the for the process of logging on and then back out of security otherwise. Interestingly, and not surprisingly, Google is citing the increased use of open Wi-Fi hotspots oh boy. <laughs> as the motivation, their motivation for doing this. Yeah. And notably, the other free popular email um, web-based email, Yahoo and Microsoft, that is Microsoft will Hotmail, neither use HTTPS, um, except briefly during logon. So this really does give Gmail a leg up in security. Now, because they are concerned maybe somebody would have a problem with this, I don't really know who could, but it, there is an option to turn that off in the configuration settings, but the default is secure, which is really nice. That, that's just a, a great move forward for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been telling people for a long time to just turn it on, but now you don't have to. Just it is. Right. Yeah. And while we're on the topic of Google, there's been so much buzz in the last couple of weeks about the the presumed Chinese attack on, on Google. Um, one security researcher claims to have recognized code in the exploit that is known to be used in China. Um, the problem is that it's very difficult to have absolute accountability. I'm, I don't really have any particular feeling one way or the other about these claims that this was backed by the Chinese government. I, I mean, my sense is, well, okay, we really don't know. I, I, I dislike 
that you know making accusations like that 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 can't be really soundly confirmed and frankly there's no way to confirm this i don't think there ever will be a way unless somebody with direct knowledge says you know yes i'm at, i know from first hand not from reverse engineering something and recognizing a bite pattern that i saw once or these other these other sort of gray comments of like well this is much too sophisticated to have come from uh hackers we don't see this in normal hacking stuff this must have come from you know state sponsored uh accomplices it's like well oh, okay i know I, I just don't put any credence behind that i don't i don't see that that makes any sense so um by the way, I don't know if you mentioned this. Microsoft uh, announced this morning that they're going to patch this zero-day exploit on the 21st. Oh, I they're did not do, see that. They're going to do an out-of-cycle Thursday update on the 21st. Good. I, I, I'm tomorrow. not surprised. Actually, that's when this show comes out, so today. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that, that's uh, it, isn't it interesting how quickly they're able to move when they want to? Yeah. Because they didn't find out about this. We, I mean, we know when they found out about it. They found out about it, like, you know, last week. And because it's generated so much um, fury, and as, as you said, you know, governments are <laughs> recommending to people not use IE, but use instead. In fact, Germany said use Firefox or Google's Chrome browser. Right. Do not use right. Internet Explorer until that gets, gets fixed. We do know that any Internet access is risky, and I'm sure Chrome and Firefox have all sorts of unpublished exploits. I mean, sure, you know well, that. The, you know, we know for for a fact that they're up that they're providing security updates to fix their security problems as I'm well. Sure, so. I'm sure they're, but you know, both both Google and uh, Mozilla are saying they're, but for the grace of God, go we. I mean, yep. My, Microsoft doesn't have the greatest track record, but I don't think they're you know particularly worse than anybody else. No, I agree. The IETF has ratified the fix for the SSL renegotiation vulnerability. Remember that w many weeks ago, we did a, a, a podcast specifically explaining what the flaw was that had been found in the SSL protocol, which essentially, it, it allowed a somebody who was able to intercept traffic to, to inject their own content into an SSL connection in a way that was not detectable by either end. And the way they were able to do this was to, to take advantage of the fact that what's called the, the renegotiation hadn't been exactly designed correctly. The idea was that when the the designers assumed that when you were renegotiating you would be renegotiating from within the SSL tunnel that is within an existing established security construct you would be sending renegotiation back and forth they failed to see that there was a way that you could that a hacker could use renegotiation in order to sort of splice their own data in. So what was required to fix this was a an explicit use of the previous 
security context. That is, information that would only be known to each endpoint, explicitly connected to and, and added to the renegotiation process. So that strengthens the protocol. The problem is that we've ended up moving towards a kludge, unfortunately, because the specification states that this this extension information, this renegotiation extension information, should be able to be appended to the end of the existing handshake without upsetting either end. It turns out there are implementations of SSL and, and, and TLS, which this breaks. So they have been unable to extend the protocol the way it was designed to be extended without breaking existing implementations, which is really a shame. So what they've had to do, and this is the kludge part, is um, we talked about at the, way, the way the SSL protocol works in detail. There is something called a cipher suite, which essentially each each end sends back and forth. The client initiating the connection says, here's the collection of ciphers I know about. The server from that set looks at those that it understands and chooses one in an order of most desirable to least desirable and then says, this is the one we'll use. That's how they agree on a, a cipher for their encryption that they both know. Well, by design, any that are not known are ignored. And that is done correctly. So the bad news is, is this fix for the SSL TLS protocol requires, in order not to break poorly implemented Exit, but, but widely distributed existing SSL requires that the extra information for securing renegotiation be stuck in as a fake cipher, which is really annoying. I mean, it's, you know, it's the definition of a clue. But yeah. it's the only way they were able to get it to work and not break things. Now, maybe in the fullness of time, like, you know, a decade from now, <laughs> the... So the these existing broken implementations will go away, and then it'll be possible to say, okay, we no longer need to to overload the cipher suite definition with this kludgy renegotiation information because all of those old you know in, poorly implemented endpoints have have died off. So. You know, we can just do it the way uh, we always intended to. We can hope that that ends up happening. So who knows? But um, I did want to let people know that we're moving forward. Now, <laughs> nobody has implemented this yet. Um, it's the, the spec is done. The RFC exists. We know how to do it. So now what will happen is they, these, these will be implemented and put into test, and it will be a while before we start actually seeing this revved, but I'm sure that our listeners will know right here on this podcast, because I'll know and I'll let everyone know, as these fixes begin to migrate into, you know, downloadable updates, you know, I'm sure Windows and Mac and the Linuxes will get will get um, new distros 
that have this thing fixed. So anyway, we're, we're moving towards getting SSL uh, cleaned up. And then last little bit of, of interesting, this really qualifies more as a rata, is I have a couple old email accounts that I've sort of left around because they pick up interesting stuff ever so often. And for the last week, I've been getting an interesting piece of email that was just sort of an, a, a case in point. It it reputes to be from, you, in one case, UPS manager Brett McCracken. And every couple of days... Bet I'm a cracking you. I'm a cracking you. Every, every couple of days I get one from someone else. Um, but this one, Brett McCracken, kind of cracked me up. And at the email address of service at ups.com, the subject is, UPS, in this one case, UPS tracking number 557-41879. Well, first of all, I know what UPS tracking numbers look like. That ain't it, yeah. That's not At one. At least they could fake it well. You know, come on, guys. Don't you wish? Look one up. And so <laughs> then it says, dear customer exclamation point. Well, okay, yeah, they're not going to use, you know, UPS is not going to no, use an exclamation no. point. Um, and it reads, the courier company was not able to deliver your parcel by your address. Close, but not quite the way we would speak English. Right. Cause, error in shipping address. You may pick up the parcel at our post office okay. personally, spelled with one L. Well, of course, post office is different from UPS, and we got a typo, a, a spelling mistake. Then it says, please attention, exclamation point. <laughs> okay. It's amazing this stuff works. Uh, the shipping label.